When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 brought to you by MidFirst Bank. And, uh, boy, that was abrupt. Uh, sorry, orchestra. You're, Coaching changes. You're not getting Let's paid. Let's go. <laughs> uh, it is the best thing that you're going to get, or the closest thing you're going to get to football season here on the unofficial 40 brought to you by MidFirst Bank. Go to midfirst.com slash U40. Apply now for the OU Rewards credit card. So uh, we'll tell you more about that uh, later on in the show. But, guys, obviously, everybody uh, following the coaching news, uh, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. So let's talk about OU's uh, almost near win against Baylor in basketball. No? Don't want to do that? Yes. I thought it was an entertaining game. Let's do it. (laughs) Other than... Josh, I've got to own something in that story. <laughs> By I, the way, I, I know I'm offering something in basketball. It's it's a revolutionary <laughs> idea. I literally didn't watch any of that game. I'm going to just own that. Right until the very end when I saw one of you guys tweet like, oh, you down two, you know, this is getting interesting, blah, blah. So I flip it over and I literally, they've got the ball at half court and they're dishing to Austin Reeves. I may have had some role in him missing that shot. I'm not sure, but it's a possibility. Yeah, it's possible. It's a classic. I I really might have screwed the whole program. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Wasn't. I am. I am not the president of the Austin Reeves fan club like Eddie and and Bob are. (laughs) But I didn't have a problem with that shot. I mean, it was an open look. No, it's a shot that you have to take. It's a little bit weird that he leaned instead of just going straight up. Yeah. That's fine. I, I just, think he was anticipating. That was the part that did contact. Strike. I don't know. There was a guy coming over the top there. Yeah. I mean, he could I mean, have. Obviously, I watch a lot of basketball, he but he looked have, like he was in a hurry. Yeah, he could have shot faked it. I mean, and then there's a lot of himself. lot sure. of time because there were yes, there was I think five seconds when he At put least. it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think two when Baylor got the rebound or something. Oh well, I it, I mean, and it I'm was shock- definitely the shot to take. It was shocking. They, I mean, shocking to say that they had a shot to win that game the way Doolittle played because Bob I mean like Doolittle was bad and like Bob I thought you kind of nailed the flow of that game in the first half you're like yeah it's probably going to end up being like 64 to you know 45 there was like what four or five instances in that game where it got to kind of bubbled up to eight or nine points and you thought this could get this could get fairly (laughs) ugly here if Baylor goes on an 8-0 run and it never did so I I don't know I thought it was encouraging in, in some ways I think they'll learn from that experience. It's not. I mean, this is a season. Nobody, s- nobody grabbed a chair from the bench and <laughs> brandished it God. over their heads. So I mean, they have they haven't been the biggest embarrassing thing to happen to the conference this week. Well, uh, Kansas's grip on the Big Twelve slipping away, nice quickly because of uh, 
That wasn't even a chair. It was a stool. It was a stool. I mean, you weren't going to hurt anybody with that thing. I mean, I'm not defending D'Souza here, but what's the most he was... It's an all-time photo. Yeah, it is. Like, still photography is on the... It's officially back because of that photo. <laughs> the still photo is not dead. I mean, if you're Sylvia DeSosa, who has just been suspended uh, indefinitely by uh, Kansas University, but if you're him, you have to get that blown up and put into a fat head on your wall. That would be a great fat head. The, but you got to get the like, woman... Hell yeah, that's me. The woman, grabbing, the woman grabbing his ankle and screaming, you have to get her in the shot. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. The only thing be- that would have made that photo better is you could see it, her her the back of her shirt was lifted up a little bit. If she had had a tramp stamp right there, it would have made it like the perfect. It would have won a, a Pulitzer. Are Kansas fans trashy enough to do that? Are there trashy Kansas fans? Oh, yeah. Have you There's gotta be. I don't have know. you ever sat in the stands in Norman at a KU game like or, or yeah. sit in the stands. At I've just always figured those tournament. are like trashy Oklahoma people that are Kansas fans. No, I my when I was in college, I was uh, working at the service merchandise, and uh, one day I took a lunch break, and Kansas was playing, and so I met my friend, and I was going to watch a half and then go back to work, you know, hopefully not getting fired in the process, and literally, my friend. Uh, in the middle, there were so many Kansas fans. Oh, you wasn't good then. There were so many Kansas fans, so many trashy ones. He just yells out, did you guys show up for the Leonard Skinner concert in the parking lot? What's going on here? I mean, they're... What'd they say? I think, you know, it was only funny to us, too. Oh. Kind of like it was just now. It must be Duncan humor. <laughs> it was Duncan humor, yes. He was from Duncan. Uh... Yeah, I've seen that fair share of, you know, hippies and stuff like that. I thought it was a great moment in college basketball, and it should be remembered as such. It's just, I More mean, the funny whole thing, anything. the whole thing is, it is really funny. I mean, stealing the basketball when the game is over, like, who does that? Of course, it was the white guy. <laughs> Playing till the whistle. And then standing over a guy, I mean. Like, you just won, you covered, too. Get to the locker room. I'm sure the boosters <laughs> and alumni are happy. Won the Sunflower Showdown. You're going to get even more money from Adidas now. So, yeah. I mean, and and then Bill Self was on the teleconference this morning, basically, like, saying, yeah, we're screwed. We just don't know how screwed yet. Like I mean, It's like Bob was saying, though, when he got here. I mean, DeSouza only played, like, 10 minutes against Oklahoma when he was down here. I mean, I can't say that I've watched every Kansas game, but it doesn't seem like he's playing a ton. He, he was expected to be a star. He's, he's in scrub not. He's just not. And like, uh, it's because he sat He was the guy that had to sit <laughs> yes. out, right? He's and, the yeah, reason yep. the FBI is already on <laughs> yeah. campus in Lawrence. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. But, you know, if you're on the court in a 20-point blowout in the last seconds, we can, we can kind of know you're not a huge part of the team here. Do you think Bill Self just watches, like, San Antonio games just to see how close Pop is to retiring? It's like, that's my next job. He's going to have to kill Becky Hammonds first. He could take over for the, for the Bulls. I'd be more than happy if that rumor came true. But the, the prominent one out there is that the the Spurs' ownership and management. That yeah, and yes, because of his connection yeah. back to yes. R.C. Buford right. or college roommates or something yeah. in Oklahoma State, right? Mm-hmm. And so, that's your basketball. Segment. And there you. But o- no, I I think Oklahoma State might need a head coach here in a couple weeks. They're on six. Mike Boynton was glad that pep rally happened yesterday. Yeah, no kidding, right? Because <laughs> nobody's throwing a pep rally for that basketball team anytime soon. They need something because they are not very good. 
the the only the only loss they haven't taken yet is the Cunningham kid deciding that he's going to declare a waiver that he wants out of his letter of intent. I think as long as his brother's there, that probably won't happen. But I suppose that they could be a little. I mean, run off like a two and sixteen. Not going to be good. Are they going to win a game in the Big Twelve? Oh yeah, no, they'll, yeah, they'll yeah. win a game at you some saw- point. TCU beat Tech after we watched TCU God, Saturday. Look tech. terrible. So is OU the fifth best team in the conference then? I think it's up for debate among tech any of them. OU. Among I, no, be like Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas. That's your top four. Five through ten is just a logjam of mediocrity. Hmm. All right, uh, so let's move into what everybody wants to hear about, which is uh, what's going on with OU and the staff. Uh, Josh, you might just kind of catch people up on. Some of the things that you've put uh, on the message board. We've all been kind of trading back and forth, and Eddie's come up with some good stuff, and uh, Josh has been, I know, hitting a lot of different people. Um, and But Josh, just kind of give us an overview of kind of where we stand right now and, and the things that you put on the board. Sure. Well, you know, obviously everybody knows with Jay Bolware leaving last week after our last pod, that's where everything kind of started. And... I think the assumption was, well, they're just going to fill the running back spot. And there was a lot of talk. I mean, I know we talked about it privately, how much flexibility there was within the staff. You know, does Shane Beamer move to running backs coach? Does Kel Gundy move there? And they have an option to, you know, it, it felt like Lincoln Riley could go in a lot of different directions. I've talked to a few people that told me it was there was not going to be any movement. They wanted some... Um, I guess some continuity in what they were doing. We're going to bring in a running backs coach. He'll coach running backs going to go in that direction. And, you know, I guess that's fine. I certainly understand the argument for Kale Gundy. I don't think there's any running back coach in the country that has more scalps on the wall than he does. I mean, that guy's done a lot of great work, but if that's what they want to do, okay, there's guys out there that you can go get. I have struggled to hear any concrete names. I know everybody ran to DeMarco Murray guys. You can, you can, weigh in on this but it feels like if it was going to be demarco murray it would be done yeah I, yeah and i mean am i, I, am I crazy this, no i'll say this i talked to someone today uh and i just get the feeling that they want to put to bed um you know the joey mcguire situation before they move on to you know solidifying what they're going to do on the offensive side like or, they haven't even Broach the subject. I, I'm sure Lincoln has reached out to people, and it, but I I think it's in the beginning stages about you know what they want to do. Are they going to do it on offense? You know, like you said, they can do a lot of different things. I I do think like Kale Gundy, probably after being at running backs for 17 years, probably doesn't want to move backward. I mean, you just don't want to do that in your career. Now he's the eye in the sky, so he's the second most. Basically, he's got the he and Bill have do he and Bill have the co. I can't even remember now. Yeah, I know Bill yep, does. Yeah, because they alternate when they come in on Monday. Okay, so yeah, I mean he he's got a co-title now. He's the eye in the sky. He's inside receivers coach. That's like where Dana Holgerson was at Texas Tech before he became a head coach. Like that is the in this in the air raid system, like the inside receivers coach, eye in the sky. That's next man up. And that's why it makes like sense if, if Shane Beamer moves. If the into coronavirus strikes uh, Lincoln Riley, then Kale Gundy, as long as he doesn't catch the coronavirus, becomes offensive coordinator. I guess I just don't that's really not understand a, that. I mean, I understand what they're doing, and I understand what they've been doing for a while now, but 
Oh, you don't I, like I, I thought you didn't I, understand the no, coronavirus no, no, no. there for a minute. I don't I don't understand that. I saw it a couple times earlier. Is that something to do with the Republicans? <laughs> and the impeachment trial? No. Impeachment <laughs> has nothing to do. Uh no, but the like the eye in the sky thing, like I I understand that that's like the second in command in the offense or whatever, right. but would I guess from moving the discussion of moving Kel Gundy back to running backs, would that really be seen as a step back or a step down? I mean, does it really matter? When could, it's all said and done, could it be that Kale's done it and maybe he didn't like it as much as he thought he would, and now Shane Shane Beamer wants that type of chance? Yeah, I mean, I the thing is. Okay, so Beamer came in. He was the tenth assistant. He he was yes. the extra guy. So before Beamer was there, remember Jay Bulware was handling uh, running backs and H backs, and then and special teams and special teams all his own. And then Beamer kind of took his job and, and split it in half. So you could go back to putting it all on someone on the offensive side. If you wanted to, you're just going to need someone to help Beamer with special teams, you know, sure. whether that's your defensive hire or whatever. Guys, and, and but Kerry's this is right, all, you know, f- and I'm sorry, and this is all no, no, assuming that nothing happens with Ruffin, which I don't think we're assuming that anymore. So yeah, sorry, Josh. I, you know, no, no, you're fine, and I, I just wanted to kind of back you up for people that don't realize this is a real thing. Both Lincoln Riley and Dana Holgerson were inside wide receivers coaches before they became co either co OC or full time OCs. So like that's for whatever reason that is the mechanism that seems in these this Mike Leach kind of coaching tree. That's that's the way it seems to go for whatever reason. So like I said, it's not just something where oh it's kind of imagined like that's that's the way it seems to work i don't know i won't claim that i know why it works that way but that does seem to be the the level of elevation you move in that direction are we so at, are we at the point now though where we say with kel gundy i mean at least for me personally i, I kind of feel like it's like the ship has sailed yeah not yeah i mean, kind of bit. in a way like like i i think in a way that he just doesn't want to like why would you be a head coach. He's making good money. He's been doing it for twenty plus years. Like, but now, it, why now, do I want to put up with that bullshit? Yeah, but now in his, a way. his kids are getting out of school. I mean, he's an empty nester. Yeah. Well, I mean, the kids have been out for a while now. They're both in college. I think Casey. I'd heard that maybe he's going to go to law school, give up the GA stuff. Really? Well, I mean, I, I just in a way, I, I, I kind of feel like. I don't know if he wants to take on a new role or a new task as far as being a head coach or an offensive coordinator somewhere else. I think he's really comfortable with what he's doing now. But he's told me specifically on multiple occasions, like he does want to be an offensive coordinator. Okay. You know, he does. He does have aspirations. He would. He wouldn't mind being a head coach, but it has I to I be also a good think situation. Lo- I, I just, think he's a lot. I I think that I project that he's a lot older than he really is. Like he's only forty-seven. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that age. I'm not saying there is. It might be a little old, but... It's because you graduated high school in 1990. doesn't make you an old. I thought you were going to say 2005, and it kind of does these days. Uh, I have spent so much time on TikTok, <laughs> TikTok over the last yeah, that, week and a half. He continues <laughs> to be vexed by TikTok. Just, it's mind-blowing. This is, must be what... By the way, Twitter the flagged the TikTok video... Um, 
that was out there from Lincoln. That someone posted of oh, Zach, really? Zach yeah, Heffley. Well, it's because it had music. It had copyrighted well, that's, music. But isn't no, that that's what part t- of TikTok? Isn't that TikTok? Oh, but it was man. On, but Twitter. I mean, but TikTok. <laughs> if it's on TikTok, you can do I'm sure the, the video was fine on TikTok, but on Twitter, they're like, no, nope, can't do that here. I mean, it's from TikTok, though, so I don't know. People do that all the time. I don't know if maybe it's just because of the audience that it reaches or what. Yeah. I mean, I... You know how they, it's like YouTube. It's like our videos. They play the music in the background at practice. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it gets flagged. Whatevs. So, but I, here's the thing. Like, I, I've i been saying this. I've kind of been banging this drum. By the way, uh, huge news. I have been unblocked by Kale Gundy on Twitter. Congratulations. Thank you. It means Kale's about to take that job. He needs an ally, apparently. So, if you want to say I'm a mouthpiece for Kale Gundy now... That's I'm just giving you information to make your own determination. Uh, I, I I mean, if I'm a coach somewhere, I with Mike Gundy doing as well as he had, Kel Gundy sitting there, he's worked under Lincoln Riley now for four years. He was a college quarterback. Like, what about his resume doesn't make you think he could be a good offensive coordinator? Like, when is somebody going to take that chance on him? That's why, because I think he could be a successful offensive coordinator. We don't know, but he's got the pedigree for it. And yeah, how many guys have worked around more quality offensive coordinators and staff than he has? Yeah, I mean, there's that list is not long. Well, I have and to you think know, before if, he came to OU, he was Watson Brown's offensive coordinator at UAB. That's the thing is, like, I in a way, he's already at that position as far as. The experience, I, I don't think that, I think the next logical step for him would be taking a head coaching job somewhere. Yeah. And that's why I say that I just don't know if he wants to do that at some but point. But if he's a successful offensive coordinator at a big school, he's going to get that head coaching job. Like, I don't sure. know that he's going to get a, he's going to get a head coaching job at a shitty place. And I just don't, position. like, logically, I but don't. Remember I'm, when Dana Holgerson went to Houston and then he went to Oklahoma State and then West Virginia hired him? It was like a three-year arc for him. Yeah, and it was like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. It was like at year after another. Right. I don't know. I just, I don't, Kel Gundy doesn't strike me as somebody that wants to be the head coach at Central Michigan. Well, that's you know what, what I'm I mean? saying. That's why or he like should Eastern go be an Michigan. offensive coordinator. If he went to go be an offensive coordinator like Oregon or something. Sure. And they were just lights out. He would get a head coaching job immediately. It's just who's going to give him that chance. Well, I think with oh, yeah. the type of money he's making in Norman right now, though, I think you could argue that taking the OC job at Oregon, is that not a lateral move from what he's doing now? If he's calling the plays, it's, sure. it's not lateral. Yeah. yeah, Because this is always going to be Lincoln Riley's offense, as long oh, as Lincoln Riley's the head coach. Especially no one's ever going to say, yeah, five what a job Kale Gundy is doing with this offense. Just nobody looks at it. Nobody's ever going to look at it that way. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of why I think he's backed himself in a corner now, especially here as the time goes on. And I don't know. Because the, the perception is, is what you have, which is... Yep. Everybody just perceives because he's been here so long, he doesn't want to go anywhere. And that's not true. But if he goes back to running backs, coach, I think it would Yeah, happen. then the perception becomes, well, <laughs> he's a lifer. He's never going to He's leave. doing whatever the program wants him to do. Yeah. Bingo. Well, I mean, he's not going anywhere this year. No. The carousel's over for the most part. Well, it's still running. Well, I mean, pro use purposes. But who who out there, unless somebody dies in the next couple months yeah nobody really has any spots yeah the offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. stuff yeah uh 
Well, in in rolling it back here to earlier in the week, a lot of uh, a lot of kind of things started flying around because of uh, um, Zach Hansen was tweeting about being out on the road recruiting, uh, and that simply because Jay Bulware was hired at Texas and they could send someone else out. They could get a waiver. It's pretty easy to do. They they did that. Uh, they did with Viney before. Viney did that. Was it after Kish retired? No, but they have done it with Chip before. It was actually kind of. It, it would have been they before cooks? they hired Cooks. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking it was during that period. It was that that long ago. Yeah. So it's not it's not unprecedented. It happens quite a bit. Um, but that's what it is. It's it's replacing Jay Bulware now. I know, Josh. You've been kind of tracking all this stuff. I did talk to someone today that confirmed that. Ruffin McNeil is not out on the road recruiting with the rest of He was at junior day. He was, from what I was told, he was introduced to players and their families as the outside linebackers coach, but he is not actively out there on the road recruiting. And Eddie pointed this out yesterday, that his contract expires uh, February 8th? Or was it? Uh, no, it's no, uh, it was eight at the days. end of this month, January it? January 31st, so nine days from now. So his contract is getting ready to expire. Which, uh, it's not unusual for that to happen. I would put that out there. Right. That as far as guys get their contracts renewed usually at the Board of Regents meeting, which will be coming up a which week from Which has changed today. from the middle of the summer now to January, February. It used to be a mid, mid-summer thing. We yeah. always... Now they've moved yeah, it. Yeah, it was June, and then, it, yeah, the, yeah it, it now they've moved recently. Uh, so now, Josh, there are all these questions about the future of Ruffin. Uh, when I think probably a week ago, we we still were kind of hearing, yeah, there's probably no chance that Ruffin goes anywhere. Now it seems like there's a little bit of daylight there, uh, possibly that there could be some movement with Ruffin. Yeah, you know, I, I was of the mind that, guys, he's just going to be there However long, I think I, I, you know, I don't think that's unfair to kind of summarize. That's how we all felt like it was just going to keep going almost indefinitely because I mean, if, if they could go through it last year, what difference does next year make? It just felt like the same evolution, but I had a conversation with somebody late last week and it just sounded like while there still was absolutely no indication that Lincoln Riley was going to say, Hey, you know, rough, I think maybe it's time for us to make a different move, do it, you know, go in a different direction. I got the impression talking to the person that maybe Ruffin felt like, okay, it's about time. You know, like I need to do something else. I know obviously he's got some health issues. There are some other things going on. So there, there is reason to believe that had some merit. And then talking to some people, and really at that time it was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, that makes some sense, but I, I wasn't all the way in. And then yesterday when I started to hear the Joey McGuire stuff, which I, I know we've kind of touched on peripherally, but – Nice. The talk was that he was a defensive candidate, not a guy that would take the running back spot. Well, you know, for those that don't follow this every day like we do, there's no opening on the defensive staff. That doesn't exist right now. So something would have to give, and I don't think any of us believe Ruffin's going to move to the offensive side of the ball and take that spot because that doesn't add up with what I was told before that we've already talked about. So kind of throw that off the table well it it kind of added the two conversations kind of fit together pretty easily and then carrie i know you've had some more conversations like you said this morning and it just sounds like maybe ruff and mcneil in oklahoma are kind of coming to a, a completely amicable ending 
Well, and and here's the now, thing. I, and I, I think it would be a retirement. It's not like he's yeah wanting to coach and then gonna go find another <laughs> job somewhere. I, I would think it's uh it's been a hell of a career type thing. You think they'd keep him in some sort of administration? I think it. I, I think I it'd be know. if he wants to. I'm curious, and this know. is kind I think of he might just go live on River Rat and do his thing. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but there's also, which is kind of grim to talk about. I don't know what Merv Johnson's role is going to be moving forward. Um, had a terrible car accident. Thank God he was okay. He's recovering, but you know he was pretty beat up coming out of that thing. So I don't know what the future is for him. I would assume. He'll, you know, take time to get back healthy again and then, you know, see what happens there. I, they're just certainly not going to dump him out on his, you know, rear end or anything. Sure. I mean, uh, but you got to wonder, could Ruffin fill that spot? Um, so is that so, like, but like you said, is that something he'd want to do? Would he rather just be out being a river rat? I mean, he obviously loves, you know, being out on the water and that's about if, if it's not about recruiting, that's the only that's other thing he tweets, he tweets about. about. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he hits that boat in the water, he's tweeting. Well, it very much seems like we're in a, I guess, a holding pattern, if you if that's really what you want to call it. And it's basically, Joe McGuire, what do you wanna, where do you yep. want to coach? You, you want to coach in Waco or Norman? The cards. I'll say this. You're going to coach in the Big 12. <laughs> you want to live in Norman or you want to live in Waco? I made a phone call before the podcast. And here's kind of Baylor. I, I think I can safely say i talked to you know some sources in, in baylor that are inside the program uh well, well connected and their thinking kind of is okay we really are screwed with recruiting now that rule is left and he's taken some people with him uh and you know the only person that could possibly hold this together for us is joey mcguire so they're almost in it feels like Baylor is in a desperation mode to try and keep him which means throwing whatever they can to entice him to stay uh it, so from the Baylor point of view that's kind of the feeling I get the vibe that I get is that you know they're going to do everything they can to keep him uh and Josh I know you've talked to some some other people uh close to the situation that I mean, you might share kind of you know what you're hearing there. Sure, sure. And, you know, for anybody out there who gets worried, our members, this is going on the board as I'm literally talking. I'm typing something to go on the board. So nobody <laughs> panic that it was in the podcast first. I'll have but, a stopwatch on that, and we'll see. <laughs> yes, yes. But what I will say is I talked to someone today, and I, I went to bed last night kind of with the impression that we'd probably know today. That's still kind of what I'm thinking, but if it went into Thursday, I don't think that's a huge sign or a huge shock. I think that's just him kind of going through his choices now. What it sounds a lot like is that Joey McGuire likes Lincoln Riley a lot, has a lot of interest in working on that staff, working with Riley, knows kind of the reputation, and obviously saw what Oklahoma did defensively last year and I think sees a role for him to fit into what Alex Grinch is doing. At the same time, I'm told that Baylor is offering him heaps and heaps of money. So I don't know if Oklahoma is willing to match that. I don't, I don't, I don't, because I don't know what that number is. So I don't know if it's just astronomical and OU would be crazy to match it or what it is. But that sounds like it's decision. And I will say, you know, we were talking before we came on, guys. And for those that say, oh, well, it's money, that's not really how Joey McGuire is, is wired. I mean, we talked about it before. 
Joey turned down Texas twice while he was the head coach at Cedar Hill, basically because he was more comfortable at Cedar Hill. His son was still there, and there was a lot of connection to stay at Cedar Hill when he could have taken a you know, 200 300% pay raise to go work at Texas. And, and I and this is important too, and this goes back to the Ruffin deal. Like if OU does have to kind of open up the pocketbooks in order to get him, uh, he would have to have some type of a, an associate head coach or assistant head coach title. Actually, assistant, I believe, uh, which is what the title that Ruffin holds is. So, I mean, I it does seem like you're in a situation now where one you know it has to do with the other, like. You can either have Ruffin still here, or you can let Joey McGuire go, or anybody else of that caliber that you're looking at bringing in. Well, and what we've always talked about with McNeil, you know, the the value that we hear from people is his, you know, the way he connects with the players, and they all love him. And, yeah. You know, there's there's a kind of grandfatherly thing about him, and that's that has its place. I certainly won't say Joey McGuire is a grandfather, but man, the kids love him. Like, I mean, whether it was Cedar Hill days. Whether you know you you listen to people talk about him at Baylor, the the whole underswelling that he had to yeah. become the next head coach from within the own mm-hmm. his own roster, like they love that guy, and I think that's a pretty easy transition. Though obviously OU's players would have to get to know him, all those things. But there is a he has a gift that some coaches don't have to connect to players as as people rather than just you know student pupil kind of thing. Would Charleston Rambo be the only? OU player from Cedar Hill at this point that would know Joey? That would be the only one to my knowledge. I'm trying to think of, I mean, like maybe there's a walk-on I don't know of or something like that. But, yeah, that's the only guy that absolutely played for Joey and knows him. So, basically, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're going to wait till this is announced till you do the pod? Like, no, we're just going to do the pod because we don't really know. It might be old news. It By could be old news. Out. Yeah, it, it certainly could be. Um, but basically, how we see things kind of breaking down is, I, I think, just hit me if I'm wrong here, Josh, but the Joey McGuire thing has to work itself out. And then, you know, the roughing stuff has to work itself out. And then you decide, basically, if you have another coach open, you know, coaching opening. Uh, and and on the offensive side, and then try and fill it from there. Like, I think that's like, pretty fair. We don't think we don't get the feeling that they're actively, you know, trying to hire, you know, narrow down to this candidate or that candidate at the running back position. Yeah, I point. don't feel like it's that far along. Like I yeah. like I said, I keep waiting to hear kind of some names come along and be floated, and I just I haven't heard that name really emerge and. Kind of to touch, I mean, you know, like I, I know the McGuire conversation is what everybody's more interested in, but the DeMarco Murray thing, I think a lot of people are like, oh, DeMarco Murray, and it's it an does easy make some sense. Dots, yeah. Exactly, and I get that, and, and I'm not saying it would even be a bad hire. I've talked to a few people, and this is something that comes up a lot when you get these ex-NFL guys that, like DeMarco, just had tremendous success. It's hard sometimes for them to humble themselves to the level – I've got to go recruit this, you know, Johnny, you know, four star from North Dallas, and I have to go in and act like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread when I know he's not the player I was. And I think that's tough sometimes for guys to step into those shoes. And I don't, like I said, 
DeMarco's been there for one year. We don't really know what he is as a recruiter, but I've heard that is a at least a ongoing concern. Somebody doesn't, you know, the people just don't know where he is as a recruiter yet. Well, and I've I've reached out myself to uh, you know people close to Demarco, and I just really haven't gotten any kind of read that he is he is involved at this point. But like everybody else, we it's easy to connect those dots, and so we you know we mentioned him, uh, and, and we'll probably continue to mention him. But as of this point. I've got no indication that there are any kind of serious talks between OU and DeMarco at this point for the opening. And like I said, part of that could be because Lincoln's not really working on that part of this yet. Maybe that, that happens once the McGuire thing gets put to bed. I feel like that was, uh, and I, I was part of the problem. I threw it out there immediately after Jay Bulwer, uh, <laughs> the news about him going Son to Texas came about. But I was like, yeah, call, call DeMarco, see what he wants to do. So we'll see. It I, makes sense. I mean, I, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. They they must feel that that side will come together so fast that it's not urgent at this point. It almost makes you think that whoever they go after has a prior relationship. Maybe was one of the better running backs of all time to play at Oklahoma. We'll see. And I do think, though, that uh, just to throw it out there, that I do think that DeMarco would be a little bit better recruiter than people probably give him credit for. Like just being Demarco Murray, I think gets you in a house, and I'm I'm definitely I I think anybody that has been around on the board long enough knows that I'm not somebody that would just say that because he's a former player I think he'd be a good coach I I think Demarco would do a good job though. All right, uh, want to remind you guys the podcast is brought to you by MidFirst Bank. Go to midfirst.com/u40. That's midfirst.com/u40. Why do you want to go there? Well, you can sign up for the OU Rewards credit card. You can apply right there online. Uh, there's uh, a lot of specials going right now. Of course, 0% for the first year. Uh, uh, so first 12 billing cycles, uh, you don't have to pay any interest uh, on the credit card. Also, uh, don't forget, uh, uh, you can uh, receive a free Bluetooth speaker when you apply in person at any of the participating banking centers. Uh, you get to redeem rewards points for cash back, gift cards, merchandise, travel. Uh, and it's got the big OU logo on it. So every time you take it out, everybody's going to know you're a big OU fan. Uh, also, you can redeem points for uh, fan gear, OU fan gear, and OU student bursars accounts. Uh, so you can pay off tuition for those kids uh, that are getting ready to go to college. So go apply for it now. MidFirst Bank, the uh, MidFirst Bank OU Rewards credit card, midfirst.com slash U40. Uh, support the pod, and we appreciate their support for the pod uh, as our uh, title sponsor of the Unofficial 40 Podcast. Okay, so I know you guys, uh, I mean, we can get back into coaching if there's something you guys want to add to it, but Eddie, Josh, I know you guys were both out at high schools today. They had the junior day that happened over the weekend. What's uh, Bob, maybe we'll start with you. What, kinda, what was your takeaway from junior day? Very strong in in state flavor. Even though the commitment and that you know Josh was able to go uh, look at today was in Houston, the majority of the focus it felt like Sunday was a lot of kids in state making a couple offers for 2022, and that's what we sort of been saying is that you know is maybe as down as it felt 2019 and 2020 were. That doesn't mean the state can't bounce back and it doesn't mean that OU won't continue to recruit the state if if they need to and that's what they're they're doing that's four offers now in 2022 including two that happened Sunday so you you know you know Lincoln Riley's well aware of you know the people that think they don't recruit the state hard uh 
hard enough. It's just not true. It's just about does the talent match the level of where you need to be at if you're going to be a significant contributor for the Sooners. Not just be on the roster, not just be there, but actually be someone who can make a difference. Josh, what was uh, what was your biggest takeaway? Well, you know, I thought really just how Oklahoma really maximized what was a fairly minimal event. Like, I mean, it wasn't like there were 15, 20 guys there. I thought Oklahoma just did a good job developing relationships with some key guys. I thought they did a really nice job addressing Gentry Williams, who I know, I don't know how much I've talked about it on the pod, but he came away from the Peach Bowl with some concerns. I I got the impression he was a guy that he was there. I mean, so he saw it in person. I think it jarred him a little bit, and I think he was – I don't know if he was ready to commit to Oklahoma, but he was leaning real hard in that direction. And I get the impression that after that happened, he kind of thought, okay, I need to look around, kind of see what else is out there. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure LSU made an impression on him that night. So I think they did a good job kind of bringing – I don't want to say bringing him back into the fold because that takes it too far, but just kind of calming concerns and saying, hey, man – we could uh, Lincoln Riley made a joke with him, like we could have used you out there that night, you know that kind of thing. We'd have put you out there, which is of course what a high school star wants to hear. So I think they did a good job there, and um, you know we'll, we can get into the whole Colin Montgomery situation a little bit, but I can say before we go there, Montgomery did not come to the event expecting to commit. So the Oklahoma clearly did a good job with him, but selling both he and his mother. Well, yeah, and, and tell people about the commitment in Montgomery. Yeah, you know, this is a guy that I've seen since he was a freshman in high school. I mean, I went back and watched him back in the days when, you know, he was playing um, with guys like Walker Little and Marvin Wilson and some of those guys. So, you know, he's a uh, just a, just an outstanding – I'm sorry, he followed them. I'm, I'm, I, he played with Jalen Waddle. I'm getting a year off there. But watched him since he was a freshman – and I was talking to his head coach today, Steve Lease, and we'll have a video interview of that interview as well as me talking to Montgomery himself. But Lease said he had a Power 5 school come in earlier this year, I guess, or I guess late last year, and basically said he's the most improved lineman from freshman to junior year in the country. And that's really, he's grown tremendously, and he is the kind of guy, and I know it's becoming cliche because we say it about almost every offensive lineman that OU gets, he is very versatile. He is a guy, I mean, big, broad-shouldered, real wide-bodied guy. He could play guard if he needs to. I think his feet are probably good enough to work at right tackle if that's what Oklahoma wanted to do with him. So there are a lot of ways they can use him. And then you throw in, like I said, throw in the fact that he is a high-level enthusiasm guy. He is very excited about things. His teammate is an Ohio State commitment. I don't think Oklahoma is really going to be able to get in the door there. But when you look at Colin Montgomery and the way he kind of is outgoing and knows a lot of people and the fact that it is an unbelievably historic year for offensive linemen in Houston and the fact that OU has him going to camps and all these events and he can go talk to Reuben Fothery and Bryce Foster and all these other guys in the city that Oklahoma is recruiting, well, I think, I mean, it's not going to be a deciding factor, but it's one more chip in OU's favor. Uh, Any other, I mean... I mean, you talked about, um, I'm having brain freeze, Gentry Williams um, a little bit in in the progress they made there. Was there anybody else that just really stood out as a guy that maybe 
they made a, a, a you know really good step forward with over the weekend? I would say, you know, and Bob, you could probably talk on this too, is Jordan Mukes, the mm-hmm. kid from Choctaw. See, we, were, um, we didn't know if it was Mukes or Mucks or... <laughs> Muke. I, I'm glad I, I, say, I threw it out there. <laughs> to be fair, I'm going with Mukes, Mukes but I could be wrong then. on that. Don't, don't quote me on that one. Um, but he is a guy that we kind of knew Oklahoma liked in December. You'd heard they'd swung by the school. You know, they'd kind of checked in on him. But last week, uh, I believe it was Thursday night before the junior day, Alex Grinch went to his basketball game and watched him play basketball for two and a half or three quarters. He was there for quite a while, as I understand it. And this is a six foot two, six foot three, hundred eighty pounds. Yes. Yeah. And guys, did you see the pictures of his arms? Yeah, yes. you were. I mean, uh, he man crushing. <laughs> yeah, like he and Gentry Williams are like that's what it's supposed to look like outside. Like they're supposed to be that long and athletic. And, uh, you know, I know talking to a few people, and I'll, I'll get back to Mukes in a second, but talking to somebody yesterday, uh, kind of about the coaching stuff, they were talking about their enthusiasm for this defense because of guys like Harrington coming in and some of these guys they brought in, the length. They're like, we're going to look like a, you know, like when you looked at our secondary in that LSU game and the LSU secondary, it didn't look like the same thing. Like we got these short little quick guys and they got these big, long armed physical DBs. And now they feel like they're starting to move in that direction. And Mukes and Williams could be the next evolution of that. Because like I said, they're, they're far bigger than any corner OU assigned recently, maybe with the exception of Josh Eaton. So Mukes is, like I said, he's an interesting guy because I think what Oklahoma wants to see from him is can he run? We've heard Alex Grinch talk all about, you know, we want to see track times. We want to see 100-meter speed. We want to see guys that can really run, not just their coach on a timer telling me they run 4-5. They want to see stuff they can verify. And so I, I think that's going to be a big piece of it for him. He's told me he's going to run track. He's apparently been a long jump guy for a while, and that, that's kind of been his strength in track, but he's going to run this year i think that'll help him and oklahoma's going to go to a spring practice and it won't shock me at all if he picks up an offer and if he does this is a kid that grew up an oklahoma fan that will have a lot of weight with him josh mukes you know there's some 2021 names that we knew for like months and months where did he come from how good was his junior tape it was you know it's one of those things where i guess it's probably somewhat, you know, again, I don't live near Oklahoma. You know, I, th- these are the things. I've missed a little bit that Choctaw's talent is really starting to grow. They're starting to be better talent moving out that direction in Oklahoma City because they've got several guys. Um, they've got a 2022 offensive lineman in Cade McConnell that's made several visits to Oklahoma and has a chance to be a guy along with Jacob Sexton in the in the class that could pick up an offer on the offensive line. Um so there are a lot of pieces there. And I watch his junior tape. He is physical. He is, like I said, he's every bit the listed size. He runs pretty well. He moves his feet. Like, I mean, there are some raw things you can tell. He's very lean right now. I mean, there, there's there's a lot for him to work on. But he's, you know, he's a junior in high school. That's okay. I, I like what he brings. I don't know that he is a no-doubt corner. But, like, you think of him as maybe like a nickel. Could that be what? Because I still don't think we know what Oklahoma wants in its nickelbacks because it's not yes. Buki. That's not the ideal. But I don't know what the ideal is yet. So I I could see him fitting there. I don't know if it's safety. He's going to be 
as physical as they want him to be, but maybe he could play the strong, come down in the box, play it that way. But I, I, if you were going to tell me or ask me today, will he or won't he be offered? I bet he picks up an offer. All right. Um, as we sit here on a Wednesday, close about one o'clock, we're sitting here watching the uh, Senior Bowl practices getting underway. And boy, were we saved when Jalen Hurts decided just to wear an OU helmet at practice. How about that bleep shot? Look, I understand. It was for charity. That's great. You're in Alabama. That never would have happened if this thing was, you know, being, was taking place like in Dallas or Florida or something. Oh, I don't think it was just because it was in Alabama. I think it was a good way for Senior Bull to basically give back to charity but to say that i'm not cheering for the defense would be a lie <laughs> didn't sound like his, fir- his no, first his first day like day one was all that great for Jalen. no shit but it's not like it's not anything that we don't know yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see how he can carry the uh south team to a win over the north on saturday like this is not this is not lamar jackson i mean this is not you know lamar jackson racism Jalen Hurts, I don't think he can play quarterback in the NFL. I just don't. I don't think he's good enough. No, it's and it's the same things that I mean we talked about during the year, right? Late on reads. Doesn't have the accuracy to advance at that level. It is very convenient that Taysom Hill can be the guy that you all say he should be a Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill's white and he went to BYU. It takes all the is this racist pressure off. I mean, I don't know if he can. I'm not going to say that he can't. I think it's going to have to be a very special system, though. I don't even, like, people are like, like people, people are like, I, oh, I, he could be Lamar Jackson's backup. Robert Griffin can't even be Lamar Jackson's backup. Like, and Robert Griffin could throw the ball a hell of a lot better than Jalen Hurts did. Yeah, I, I feel like the Taysom Hill stuff, everybody's like, well, if you're an athlete, you can just do that. You, If you can throw the ball maybe even a little bit, Anybody can do that. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think that's kind of... Because not everybody has Sean Payton calling plays. Exactly. Or the system that they... Or the offensive mind to be able to use them like they Mm -hmm. do. And I'm not saying that there's other teams that won't and can't. But at the same time, I do think it takes a little bit away of just how amazing Taysom Hill's been in that that role. That particular role. He's just a ball player, man. Yeah, he's a great football player. Which I, you know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen too much from uh, Neville down in Mobile, though. I saw a couple people retweeting things this morning after day one. But I mean, have I missed anything, Josh? No, like I said, everything I saw was he had a great first day. A lot of people really liked him, Good. and I think the thing that everybody seemed to like is the thing that I, I, from what I always gathered, and you guys would know better than me, was kind of the knock on him at times was his motor. You know, like everybody loved how how explosive he was in the reps, how he was hustling around, doing all the little things that, you know, these guys want to see in this situation. They want to see that you know how big this stage is and that you're trying to, you know, frankly, make some money for yourself. It sounds like he was doing those things. And like I said, I think if there was any knock on Neville at times, there was always a feeling there was such a huge gap from one play to the next on what you might get. Well, I mean, it was pretty clear by the plan that they set forward for him. He was not an effective guy at 60 snaps a game. He just wasn't. He's not a guy that that can go out there and just go 
full bore for you know an entire game. He's he's got to. And in the NFL, nobody's playing every rep exactly. either. So I mean, they're rotating. But I mean, he. You look at his stats. He had a fantastic year. I mean, uh, all the disruptive stats. The only person better than him was Ronnie Perkins. I mean, tackles for loss, sacks, and I think he might have been. Was he the leader? Or was Kenneth Murray the leader in tackles for loss? They were both way up. There. I would assume Murray, but probably pretty close. I think Ronnie was leading 15. going into the. Wasn't he? He was a sacks leader. I don't know I if he Ronnie was, was tackles for loss. Tackle leader. for loss leader too. I think he was second behind Murray, maybe. Oh, it's clear. Gallimore at 325 and 65 snaps a game was just terrible. Yeah. But at 305 and 45, you got to see what he could really bring to the table. I mean, I, I think he'll have a good NFL career. I mean, Jordan Phillips is having a good NFL career. He's having a, He had a great year He had a great year. season, finally. Is Neville that first round? There? Okay. Would that rank up there in your more surprising uh, OU guys in the NFL? No. Yes. Jordan Phillips has had such yes. a good long uh, for me. I don't know about surprise. I would put like a Stacy McGee. Yeah, yeah, I would have been like, more I, surprised I, if Stacy McGee really stood out. I, I distinctly remember watching a Monday night game with the Raiders. I think it was two and a half years ago or something uh, before he signed the deal, the big deal with the Redskins. And I looked up and they were like doing the player intros, like <laughs> Stacy McGee, Oklahoma. It's like. Who? What? what? <laughs> like how he's in the NFL right now? Yeah, and I then think, they proceeded to talk about how great of a year he had. had. I think the the difference for me was that Stacy, when he was a Sooner, I don't think was expected to be much. Where Jordan Phillips was supposed to be the superstar, and it never really materialized. So I thought when he got to the NFL, he would not materialize and just kind of go away. Instead, he's found it and he's gotten much better compared to what he was when they thought he'd be the next big thing in Norman. Was it Taylor Lewan that Jordan Phillips got into a fight with the Twitter fight earlier this year? Yes. And Taylor Lewan was like, I didn't even know you were in the league anymore, bro. I think so. Jordan Phillips should have said something about steroid juice. Oh, yeah, because he got suspended for four games. Real quick, uh, Kenneth Murray, 17 tackles for loss this year. Led the team. Ronnie Perkins, 13 and a half with second. And Jalen Redmond was third with 11. Surprising. And let me look here. Okay. For those keeping score at home, that was a perfect uh, prediction in the Fearless 20 by Josh McQuistion. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed nailed Gallimore and uh, Perkins on a combo. Everybody just wants validation these days, don't they? That's it. You didn't even play either. You can play college football. Oh, we're going. Ah, wow. Hey, let me say real quick. I just and I wanted I to. That wasn't me. That I was wanted it. to make sure before <laughs> I said anything. Ryan Jones and Levi Draper combined for zero tackles for loss. So you're if losing. Anybody a lot was there. worried about the, the best portal. stat though of all the portal stats is that Jalen Hurts had more tackles three than. A lot of them. Had Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson James, was the one that stood a out. A senior yeah. outside linebacker. Troy James, yeah. Had one. I mean, that, that, well, look, and that's that quintet a, combined for 19. Yeah, we haven't. We I, I don't know if we even. We didn't address this on the last pod because I don't think it had all really happened yet. But, like, if you're out there, one, you're probably not a scooper if you're still fretting over the transfers. It's a good like, way to put it. You know who <laughs> follows this stuff daily. 
versus the people that do not like yeah. follow, just follow like, you. I don't on even that. know if this is there's, something we need to talk about on that. our podcast. The sky is falling. You're you're a you're an intelligent OU fan. You're not caught up in people screaming at you on YouTube and all that. You you know your stuff. Like you know in in if you're not a scooper and you are one of those people that like screaming people on YouTube, uh, stop panicking. There's no reason to panic. Every, it's it, it's addition by subtraction. Now, it is pointing to a much bigger picture, like we've talked about, which is, and we when we did our little survey thing, we probably should have not only put player development but also evaluation in there, because if anything, it shines a light on how, and I think there's a lot of a lot of layers to this, Josh, but it shines a light on the evaluation of players that has gone on. And probably more than anything, the fact that I think the other layer to this that you can't ignore is a lot of players have been signed and offered out of desperation, especially on the defensive side of the ball over the last five years. Am I wrong in saying that? Say, say it again. That, I, I'm not sure. I a lot it. of the evaluations have been tainted because of desperation, because coaches are not getting the guys that they want, and they think, well, I've got to get somebody. So w- let's let's talk ourselves up into, you know, this guy like he's something special. When he there's you're missing something. You really didn't make a good evaluation because you just needed to get this guy. You just needed to fill these spots. Guy's a great example, and it's a guy that it's related to a coach that's come up from some as of late, Ricky DeBerry. Yeah. Everybody convinced themselves Ricky DeBerry was a great player because he was highly ranked. He didn't fit Oklahoma's system. He was a guy that was really highly valued as like a sophomore. And then you saw, like, he had the Alabama hat on the table when he announced there was no way in hell he could have chosen Alabama. Alabama did not have a spot for him. So people kind of get into these things where like, oh, he's highly ranked, or oh, he had this offer. Guys, Rivals doesn't go through and pull out, oh, well, Alabama backed out him, let's pull that offer off his page. Like, it just stays. And that's not just Rivals, that's everybody. Like, so the offer lists are kind of a shaky hill to stand on sometimes. And, you know, that, that honestly, I, I can give a, a good example from this year. I was a little concerned the same thing had happened with Reggie Grimes that Alabama had kind of walked away from him. and I mean, because in what world do Oklahoma and South Carolina battle? That that doesn't really exist. But when I went to watch him, I really liked him. I see a big, long athlete that has a lot of potential. He is a good risk-versus-reward type of player. And, and see, I thought know, was, you were going to name Edron Cooper because, oh, you walked away from him after LSU walked away from him. Yeah, you know, And then A&M ends up with him. Yeah, A&M, and I think Edron Cooper's a good player. I, I think now, I, the part of me that I want to know is if you put, could put some true syrup and syrup, serum in Alex Grinch or Brian oh, Odom. Syrup. You, what was that? Yeah, word? You, true syrup is awesome. You this got is, away with great. using periphery and just a glorious fat, and then you trip up on serum. I kind of like. I'm with Bob. I kind of like Truth Syrup. Can now we that market that? Like, Can we yeah, market like, this? That's that's a new hat. Truth that's gonna be syrup. the. That's gonna be like a. That's gonna be on the first shirt for the pod, man. The hashtag Truth Syrup. Syrup. God, I've gone everywhere. Um. Anyway, we need to I like. Saying, we need to like bribe. <laughs> we need to do this this year. We need to like bribe players to like use screwed up metaphors in everyday interviews. Yes. Like 
can you see like uh I don't know, like Buki getting up and saying, if you put truth syrup in everybody, I mean, and, and just do it with a straight yeah. face. I think sometimes oh, they God, do that and we wouldn't have to pay them. There might be a there couple guys on the that. beat that wouldn't be opposed to paying players. Just well, to mean, screw around, though. Not because it's a competitive Yeah, ours advantage. would be for laughing. Yeah, yeah. Th- theirs would be for... Compliance would still ban us. Following people around Atlanta and stuff. Okay. Weird. okay. Oh, hi. Um, um, so, no, but what I, what I was going to say with my truth syrup is... <laughs> Would would Oklahoma take Edron Cooper now? Like, would, do, do you think they foresaw? <laughs> oh, after I feel all like these Levi Draper. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Levi Draper was foreseeable. Ryan Jones kind of surprised me. I kind of thought they could sell him on. Your physical skills are pretty much unlike anybody else on this campus. Now that Kenneth Murray has left, you have a chance to be a guy if you can put it all together. But where I don't I don't know. No, I I mean I get it. I, I, get I think it, but he I mean, was just done being like tossed around. Like you yeah. know, okay, we put you here, we'll put you here, put you here. It's just like I want to play offense. I'm not going to do this here. Can I leave? Was it? Am I am I remembering this wrong? Because I, I I distinctly somebody brought this up to me the other day about Ryan Jones, um, and I I remember Bob Stoops. One of the things he would talk about is if, like, a recruit wants to come up, like, on 4th of July, and then you have to leave the house when you're barbecuing and go up and see him and stuff like that. Like, that was something that drove him crazy. Didn't Ryan Jones come in on 4th of July for, like, his official visit or something? Or not official, but, like, it was a holiday or something, and it was just, like, really inconvenient for everybody? I don't know, because he flipped, well, not flipped, he made the decision so last minute. I don't remember when he actually visited. He came in, I almost want to say it was like January 15th or something. Like okay. was his ofi- yeah. January, yeah. Uh, yeah, January 27th was his yeah. official visit, I mean, it was, he committed on the 28th. That's what I was going to say. Jones and Troy James kind of fit what you're saying, Carrie. Very late, very mm-hmm. late in the process. And they're flipping Troy James from Arkansas like the week before signing day and you're trying to convince yourself to be happy about it and you kind of see a lot of those guys didn't really pan out well yeah i mean and and there's plenty of guys like that i i will still ryan jones is a height weight speed guy i can live with those mistakes You, you like you're betting on a good athlete troy james was six foot 265 pounds and was just always going to have a little bit of a limitation. I but think, it's kind of that whole. Was it wasn't the class Troy James, Achaeus McKinney, and uh, uh, Tr- a lot, lot, and Thomas? It was Tibbs' first class. Yeah. You can see yep. he was still figuring things out. Now, since see that's the, if you give him a grace period, if you acknowledge the first year is going to be difficult because you don't have the McKinney relationships. and Thomas are the only ones left standing. And, and McKinney, McKinney, I don't, I never played. He hasn't done anything yeah. of note the entire time he's been here, but. If I think you, Lot could have been a player. He could have. I mean, he, he had. He chose not to. I mean, he he's playing as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Like considerable amount yep. of snaps. He actually wanted to come back, but his grades were so screwed up, there was no chance. Yeah, you know, he and played, I didn't think he could get to NEO because he was. I told you, two compliance too easy on him. <laughs> oh, I mean, and you know, guys, and they they made a run that year. I mean, they made a run at Marvin. They were yeah, in the yeah, final, you know, two or three there. I mean, they had. I mean, I don't think they were going to get him, but they, they were in the game. Uh, the guy that I think they'll probably look back on in that class and really regret is the Akeel Byers kid that went to Missouri and has had a nice little start to his career. Um, 
they I, he was committed to Alabama, and then if I remember right, it got like it kind of got out that he had some grade problems. And it was going to be tough to get him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and oh, and oh, you could have taken him, and they didn't do it. And now you look back, and you're like, that that's that stings a little bit. You could have had that guy. Um, now, like I said, he's at Missouri, and I'm trying to pull up his stats literally as we speak. But he's had a pretty nice start to his career there. Yeah, but see, um, see then you give Tibbs that first year, and then he gets yep. a Ronnie Perkins. Like then yep. he starts to develop the relationships, yeah, yeah. and he starts hitting home runs. That's you know that first year didn't pan out, but since then, and Overton became a steady player. You know the development of the guys on campus with the recruiting, and you look at twenty twenty Winfrey Ellison. If those guys, if he can make them immediate impact players, then he's done his job. Real quick, Josh, I, did we talk about Dre Butler? No, we didn't. We have not. In the junior day, just as far as your conversation with him, uh, he has Auburn and Oregon yes. uh, coming up as far as official visits. But I mean, if you're not going to get Alfred Collins. I would think that he'd be a nice little consolation. Yeah, I mean, you know, for those that don't really know much about him, this is a guy that rivals just made their number one defensive player or number one junior college recruit in the whole country. He is a very good player and a guy that I, you know, people kind of wonder, oh, how did he end up in JUCO? Well, it wasn't grades because he he's a guy that gets the, you know, he's going to leave in basically two semesters. I mean, it's not a deal where he had to get his associates. He had grades. From what I can understand, was kind of a basketball guy. A strength and conditioning coach kind of got him into it, and that coach is the same one that went to, with him uh, to his official visit this weekend, along with his mother. And talking to him, I got the impression that um, he is a guy that really liked the trip. Really, I think he was surprised with how much he did like it. Obviously, spending the last year in Kansas, it's a pretty easy you know, you don't have to worry, like, the weather is not going to scare him off or anything like that. I mean, he kind of knows the lay of the land. To me, this is going to come down to OU and Auburn. He is a guy from Georgia, about two and a half hours from Auburn, so that's a huge advantage for Auburn. But at the same time, Oklahoma probably can tell him, hey, you're going to be in our rotation day one. I don't know that Auburn can make that same promise. And I really think this kind of plays out the way Oklahoma would like because they get to continue to recruit him, recruit him hard. They don't have to kind of walk that line of, oh, we're pushing hard. Oh, no, we're not. You know, they don't they don't have to worry about that because he's not quite ready to decide anyway. And Oklahoma can work until they know their situation with Alfred Collins because this is that's that's the number one guy. That's the guy that they want. I don't believe they have any plans to take a second defensive lineman. They're going to get one or the other if they can. And. Josh Collins, by then they should know where they stand. All right. Five guys go into the portal. Try to explain to people why this is not an and such a situation. It's still either or. Well, you know, and I, and I get why people would feel that way, but guys, listen to what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about guys like Levi Draper and Ryan Jones who have done almost nothing. And that's no offense to either player. That's just the reality they're a loss that Oklahoma is going to feel just because the numbers at linebacker are so slight right now. I mean, they've got five scholarship players for two linebacker positions on campus this spring, and one of them's a true freshman going to be learning his way through things. So, And one, the other one is Jamal Morris, who we reported earlier this week, has moved from safety to linebacker. So you're talking about three guys with any quantifiable experience 
playing linebacker in this defense, an Osamoa, Deshaun White, and Caleb Kelly. That's not even a two deep. So you've got to get some players. And I don't expect, I mean, it's, it's really getting too late at this point for Oklahoma to go in the grad transfer market and try to bring somebody in here at semester so they have a body. But they need help at safety. They need help at linebacker. Along the defensive line, that's one of few positions, even without the st- Ronnie Perkins to start next year, they have some depth. There are some bodies there. You got Marcus Hicks and Corey Roberson that just redshirted. Perrion Winfrey and Josh Ellison are on campus, two really good junior college defensive linemen. Uh, you know, Jordan Kelly coming back. Zach McKinney, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's, maybe he finally kind of finds a role as the Dylan Fahamatu. I don't know. Um, but then you've got Redmond, Stripling, Stokes, Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, Grimes and Arenze are coming in at semester. I mean, there's a lot of depth, at, uh, not at semester, but in the summer. You've got a lot of depth on the defensive line. At linebacker and safety, you are shockingly thin when you consider that Oklahoma is, again, one knock or an injury away from Justin Broyles being their starting safety for 12, 13, 14 games next year. That'll never happen again. I, I, I refuse to believe that that will ever happen again. But, I mean, uh, you've got Trey Norwood coming back. You'll have Buki, uh, Woody Washington. I thought he did some – his coverage was – you go back and watch the game. There was nothing wrong with his coverage. Um, there was some perfect throws while he was covering. Uh, but outside – we'll see what happens with the Cradell. I mean, he's got to make a move at some point, you would expect. I think I mean, all, all those young guys have to, at yeah. some point, be – not necessarily. Corner's the, a bigger worry to me yeah. than, than safety almost. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, it kind of depending if on you what don't you stay healthy. Yeah, they got really, well, it really helped them out, didn't it? That Motley made the jump that he yeah. did this year. Huge. Because what is Woody Washington? I know he played some nickel, but I got the feeling that was just a pinch. Like that was, you know, this is what we got to do. We don't really have any other options. Thanks, Bookie. Is he a corner or is he a safety? Oh, he's a safety. He's always been a safety. You think? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, then, we then thought right. he was a, we thought he was bit. a corner. I mean, we yeah. all thought that, but then Grinch made it very clear that he's he's a safety. He's been a safety since he's been here. Okay. I, I got since I, those I opening always, practices. Okay. Then I, I just missed that part because I had had a kind of had a feeling that he'd gone back and forth a little bit, but that's that's just on. No, me. I think Eddie when we went out for like the two a days portion. Like, he was working with corners then, but it, it seemed like he got moved to safety pretty quickly. That seems right, but I don't... That seems right, though. I don't remember exactly. I, maybe you were more over on the offense. I think I was. Yeah, I was. You're talking about, like, the first day of practice like or whatever? Like, we had yeah, open, yeah. yeah, our little 15 Yeah, and we weren't there thing. long enough during the bowl practices to really know, and he had already been moved. So. Yeah. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they try and rework this thing and i'm i'm very interested to see now that you are a full year in on alex grinch uh what he basically like i kind of envision this like grinch coming in back in this spring and saying all right the try runs over if you're not putting up results you're out you're done i'm done with you i'll kill you <laughs> and then he chokes out a freshman or they just you know walk on obviously they just they just have they have a door they bring that's just like a portal. That's just the por- like they set up like a, uh, one of those uh, injury tents. Yeah, wouldn't that's be the worst idea. Maybe the that's portal, the next right million there. dollar idea. We make something that somebody could enter and then it immediately put them into the portal. 
It, it reads their DNA scan like there's a little barcode on them or something. Well, it'd, no. take, not the, like, it'd take the OU DNA not out like, of them first. <laughs> and then you'd have to you'd be wiped clean. It would not, we're not talking about the Ron Tate and my declare portal. Yeah. Where do you That's end up? still... God, I love that. He's at NEO, uh, right? He, still? He's at NEO, but he's picked up some offers. I don't think he's signed, though. Okay. I would imagine oh. that would come to a head, though, right? In February, see a one-year uh-huh. guy yeah. up at JUCO. He should be. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. There shouldn't be a reason he'd have to stay. Yeah. Uh, all I'm seeing on his timeline is a lot of people followed and unfollowed him from day to day. He's got one of those updates. Mm-hmm. Don't, people don't do that. That that's lame. You know, who like, had don't. one of those forever was was Daniel Brooks. Ugh. I think that's I, name I might have unfollowed while. him just because I got I got tired of three people have followed you, four people have unfollowed you. Mm-hmm. That's it's bad. Oh, it's gonna be fun to get wrap this thing up, and then there's gonna be something that breaks, and we're gonna have to uh, reconvene at some point. That's the way it usually works. It's gonna be really interesting because you're gonna have you know the the board meeting, the board of regents meeting. Like I don't think that this goes for seven more days. No, but what I'm saying is the rough part of it sure like I, I don't think lincoln is like even if they and if they announce joey mcguire is hired i don't know if they announce that ruffin is taking a different taking it you know he's retiring or i don't know there has to be a correspond. well i guess there doesn't have to be because you could just say mcguire's filling. running out yeah i mean i don't, I don't know. know the whole ruffin thing is just so awkward it and, is awkward but and josh will tell you this like it's not just awkward for us I think it's it's awkward inside the coaches' offices too, with people uh, just not. I mean, there's just think, never been anything like. I doubt anybody has ever been on a staff where some days a position coach isn't at practice. Yeah, um, or at least having to work with one hand behind his back, or on if the you road will. recruiting. Like all, I mean, that would be like, you know. Like I, I think that that's something that would make the fans a little pissed off is the fact that if he's not out on the road recruiting, which we've said that he isn't, right? Like I've been, they told have he's not. They out. have Zach Hansen filling in for Bullwear technically, right? right? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they have down. another person? Like why wouldn't you have another person out there? Because you could because he's an assistant and you can't get the waiver to get someone else out there. That just it, for as for as much attention as they put into the recruiting world for as much uh, hands-on as Lincoln Riley is in the recruiting game. I mean, Jesus Christ, the guy started his own TikTok account. Like, that's shocking to me that they would make a, in a way, an excuse or uh, they would work around it, I guess. Does, does that make sense, Josh? Like, that's that's very surprising to me that Riley would go to those lengths to, I guess, in a way, keep his mentor around. Yeah, I, I, and I know I that sounds bad, but mm-hmm. it kind of is what it is. I think everybody that follows the team, covers the team, knows what we're talking about, kind of gets the gist of it. It's it's surprising to me. In year one, it was totally understandable. Lincoln was a guy that hadn't, you know, there there wasn't. He was so young, had only been a coordinator for a, a couple of years. He didn't have all the wealth of experience that a lot of guys. You know, like Bob had been a coordinator for like 10 years by the time he finally became a head coach, or at least six, seven, eight. You know, he had more more time on the clock than Lincoln did. And Lincoln was not only that, but he was very young. 
it made all the sense in the world for him to have Ruffin McNeil. But, I, you know, I don't know about you guys. When that hire happened, I thought it was that year. I thought it was a rental. Like, okay, they're going to, you know, he's going to help Lincoln kind of figure out the day-to-days, how all that stuff works, kind of, you know, maybe just kind of maintain some continuity within the staff. It, it was all going to – it made some sense. But as we've gone on, it seems like McNeil's ability – to be a part of recruiting has dropped to almost zero. And then you started to hear, well, okay, in practice, some, you know, I mean, the guy, like we've talked about, the guy has health issues. He's not engaged in every drill. He's not involved with everything that's happening on the field. And with a staff that knows they're that close to doing what, you know, to achieving the ultimate goal, I, you know, I'm surprised that we don't hear more, I don't want to say animosity because I think I think it's pretty clear Ruffin's incredibly likable and everybody does like him, but I'm surprised there's not more um, I don't know just hard feelings about the way it's played out and the way that things are kind of handled sometimes. Kinda, I think everybody like just, the old uh, OU baseball T-shirt got 25 guys pulling on the same rope. Yeah. It's more like 24 and a quarter. I think I think everybody is uh, they just. Deal with it how they deal with it because they know he's protected basically. And listen, I I don't think he's, that he's a made man. I don't you think not say anything to him. I don't think it would be accurate to say if, if if Ruffin McNeil wasn't part of the program, all of a sudden they're going to beat LSU. I I don't think it's that. Yeah, simple. I don't. None of us right. are saying that. It's it's no it's 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 very good, fellas. He's a made man. Can't mess with him. Oh, guys, I'll be perfectly honest, and I'm a. I'm an honest person just to my core. But even saying what I've said, I'm like, ooh, like I hope I don't get any blowback on that crap. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, we've danced around it enough. We've talked about all yeah. this stuff before. I mean I agree. It's it should be a I, I don't feel like we're being harsh. It'd be really a disservice to act like it's not like there's something not there. Yeah. It is just, it is very odd because you know, you don't get a lot of inner access to anything anymore but when you know stuff like this is going on it's just like how can we not talk about it like it's been going on for a while how do we not like we can't just keep pretending like it's not an issue yeah and we we've done it in writing we've done it on the pod we've done it on the message board it's like we we've never hit this stuff well it's better than me breaking down a uh spencer rattler bleacher report video which <laughs> my breakdown will be up later this afternoon never which you know in in back to your point Josh there was a time when you know Lincoln was taking over Bob's program and that's when he needed a strong voice of his own and that was Ruffin and I think I think that's he served his purpose by being that guy he was he was the guy that you know, helped Lincoln kind of set his culture as the head coach. Now he's been there for several years. I think Lincoln is well respected. I think Lincoln is sometimes feared. I'll I'll go that far because I think as a coach, it's just like with you know, you talk to Bob Stoops now. It's like Bob, you know what? Why why are you so carefree and you know, growing a beard and you know, saying what you want and not worry. He's like. Because you can't be that way when you're head coach. You have to be respected. You have to be feared a little bit. And I think Lincoln's developed that persona now. 
He, I, I think, I think he can do it without roughing. He's walking I, I around agree. with a little the bit training of training wheels, if you will. Walk around with his dick out, basically. What you're saying. <laughs> Glad we get something profane in this podcast before we're done. I you I nailed it, Eddie. That sounded exactly like where Kerry was going. I think it's fair. All right. Um, I, I, I these I, are I'm big sorry. hires, though. I, I, yeah, I, I think no. it's going to be very telling of the direction of the program. If you can swing a, if you can swing a Joey McGuire, it's. A I home think run. it's yeah, Absolute it's it's bigger than anything they've done in the last couple of months around here. Is that fair? And it fits. Would, it fits w- w- within what Lincoln is all about, which an unconventional guy coming in and and doing a really good jo- job. <laughs> Whoa! That's what happened. Woo. You can hear that coming. Yeah, that was train was rolling down the track. <laughs> what are you saying, Josh? Uh, no, I, you know I was going to say coronavirus to me, coming your way. <laughs> to me, does it? Does it? Can it transmit through audio? That's concerning. Um, no, by the, 2030. <laughs> the problem, uh, or not the problem, I think this would be as good a hire as maybe Oklahoma's made since, what, Beedenboe? I mean, like, as far as a guy that's wanted, brings value instantly. Like, and I, you know, Beedenboe, I don't even think we knew how good he was when he showed up. I mean, Grinch. I mean, Grinch. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's fair. That's fair. But, no, Beedenboe, I mean, that, that was a huge home run hire. Yep. And that was OU being able to take advantage of West Virginia, who didn't want to pay. Sure. It's probably a reason why Holgerson left in the first place. And I will say, people have asked me, you know, how much was he involved in that Baylor defensive line? From what I've gathered, Frank Oakham is entirely the reason that defensive line was as good as it was last year. It sounded like he was the defensive line coach. And Rule took him to the Giant? Or? Mm-hmm. And, okay. Yes, Rule took Panthers. him to the Panthers. Yep. Panthers, yep. Yeah. So. Um, Giants are just taking everybody, so I assume that's where he went. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but no, w- what I you know, I guess what I would what I would say though is it is impossible to duplicate the relationships Joey McGuire has in Texas high school football. Like you cannot like it's like Bobby Jack Wright, kind of the legend of Bobby Jack Wright, but in reality and better. Like Bobby Jack He's Wright, nineteen ninety nine Bobby Jack Wright. Yes, like. It, he is that well-connected. He is in with all the important players in the Texas High School Coaches Association. If if Joey calls and is like, hey, you know, we, we, we would like this guy to come to campus, I, I think in some cases you're talking about a 50% improvement of that guy showing up that week. Like a coach is going to bring him. You know, the head coach that knows Joey and respects him is going to call his D-line coach and be like, hey, get – Tommy or Joe or whatever the kid's name is, get him up there. They want to see him. And I he has that kind of pull. Do you say maybe he's uh Bobby Jack served his role, but let's face it, no one dominated Texas like Texas. Is he like maybe the new Tim Brewster? That's an interesting comparison. I mean, I I think aside from some of the uh, unsavory rumors you hear about yeah. Brewster from time to yeah. time. Yeah. I, I think there he I I mean when you talk to kids about Brewster he has that energy that they love and they kind of respond to it and I, I could see that McGuire I mean like I said I I think McGuire whether he has done it yet at a level that Oklahoma you know would expect which he hasn't let's just be honest but Eddie's been around him we've all I think with the exception of Bob we've all, no Bob's been around him we've all been around Joey McGuire 
if there is a guy that you think that dude has everything you need to be a great recruiter, it's friggin' Joey McGuire. Like that dude has all the tools, gonna be great in a room, gonna talk to mom, gonna make the kid feel great, has a lot of energy, and is just incredibly likable. And then when he has a you know, something to sell like the University of Oklahoma, there's a lot to like there in that sales pitch. Well, that is your emergency pod. Just play that part back if he ends up being the hire. And then there <laughs> we'll you cut you that. everything that you need to know. We'll about cut Joe that and put it on the board. So, yeah, I mean, that that kind of wraps it up. And, and, and trust me, if there were other names we'd been hearing besides McGuire, we would have thrown them out there. So it does look like, you know, it is pretty much the ship is steering in that direction. I guess we didn't even talk about the other side of it. If he returns to Baylor, where what? Yeah, because that makes things a little bit more awkward, just as far as what's going to happen. Uh, I don't like. I I don't think that there is a second name out there right now no. that you would say, okay, well they didn't get Joey McGuire, because I think in a way they're kind of creating a not creating a spot, but it's like filling in pieces to a puzzle almost. I'd hate to think that you know that that Joey McGuire's hire has them headed in a certain direction, and if he doesn't take the job, then they they just throw their course. hands in the air and yeah, okay, and like bring Ruffin back and like okay, well we can just hire somebody for Jay Bullware. I mean, you would hope that if if they've got a home run ready to go, that that they still make a home run hire, even if it's not McGuire. So. Yeah, that 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 I will say that's not the Settle impression I have. Double in the gap, instead of a grand slam. seeing eye single. No, this would be the home run. Do They'd you have hit to a, settle for the double? Do they hit a trash bag though, or a bucket before? Well, they if they're it. playing in Houston, obviously they would. All sure right, the same things going on in St. Louis. Welcome back, too. Bob. We're done. Um, Did we talk the black unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> I don't what know the what that is. Hell, have you just? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Josh, I, did we talk the the another junior I knew junior when you dad? said it, they weren't going to know what you were talking about. <laughs> I still don't. Know. I have <laughs> no idea what's going on right now. Twenty twenty three running back Ruben Owens has dubbed himself the Black Unicorn, and he's been offered by OU, and he's okay. showing up Saturday. It's another mini. He's, we're not talking about seventh graders right now, okay? I know my math's not very good. But I check out at twenty. I've been looking at a couple twenty forty quarterbacks <laughs> here working out in the state with some local guys. We'll keep an eye on. We're trying to find out that year specifically. Yeah, like, that would I, be I, great I, if we singled in on like, <laughs> like just six. Oh, graders. sorry, we're just focusing on women's ovaries right now. We'll get back to you on uh, on your kid later. But we're, we're we're in the developmental stage of cloning. Your your ninth grader is too far along. There's not enough room for growth. We're we're really waiting for the right guy to come along. We focus on third graders. How you doing? We recruit for Penn State. Kale, we noticed you haven't oh, had enough children. No. Uh, could you uh, maybe knock some people up? We'd like to see you're, some more of your children. And you're blocked again. <laughs> <laughs> you're back to block. I want to block. I just said he's a great candidate to produce children. Well, he didn't. He didn't succeed. But we can put him with a different woman. Now I'm blocked. Yeah, yes, you are. You're wow. going to edit that part. Not me, like, Kale. I'm not going to edit you that just out. Made, you just made that worse. Not me, Kale. That's going to do it. We've killed the pod. I've killed the pod, I think. So thanks to Josh. Thanks to Eddie. Thanks to Bob, who 
apparently left us. I don't know if you're getting paid for this episode or not. Uh, <laughs> I'm Carrie Murdoch. We'll see you guys back here again next week on the Midfirst. Go to midfirst.com slash U40. The Midfirst Bank unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com.